You are listening to the Independent Dealer Podcast with hosts Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson. Guys, we're going to have a, uh, a great discussion here about uh, a bunch of stuff. So first off, um, I think this might be the only dealer-only panel, dealer-only session. I'm going to not make contact with any of the vendors in here because I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, dealer-only opportunity, guys, to get education. So we're going to go over the EOS system, which is the Entrepreneurial Operating System by Gino Wickman for only a couple of minutes of this session. We're going to give you all the references on where to go, where to learn more about it, all that kind of stuff. You can go home, study, read the book, all that good stuff. But then we're going to take the opportunity to ask these three gentlemen some questions, right? We've got three great operators here that have a wealth of knowledge. This is the time to be thinking of a hot topic or a question that you might have, whether it's about EOS or just about your dealership in general. Um, I think we need more of that, these conventions. So I'm going to take the opportunity to do this because... I don't see NA, NIADA guys in here that can shut me down or not invite me back next year. Nice. They don't pay me to be here, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, guys, real quick, let's do some introductions. Nick, uh, Dan, and Lucky, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Check, check. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick Marcosian. I am a dealer out of Utah. I have six locations. I do uh, almost all these are paid here. Uh, we sell about 250 cars a month, and we have about 4,500 accounts. And, and number of employees? Just over 100. 100 employees in uh, uh, Mexico. I'm trying to remember the, the country. Uh, big, not the country, the problem. That's, the, that's an operation. Anyhow, that's an Mexico. operation. Mm-hmm. Pass that around. We got to pass. We got one mic. Uh, I'm Dan Gromer from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I have three locations. So just actually just opened up the third one in two weeks. Um, so about 110 a month. Um, we, the business model has just recently shifted from uh, the 90% retail, self-right retail, 10% buyer pay here. I just switched to lease your pay here. Uh, and we're about a 45, 55% mix in the last couple of months. So it's a minute switch. About uh, 15, 15, 40 here today. Um, my name is Lucky Lopez from Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been a dealer for 20 years. Mostly in the sub-buy market here in Vegas. Um, sold my dealership in 2019. I do dealer consulting. I go around setting up car dealerships, uh, rental car companies, uh, auto repair, pretty much did everything from A to Z with uh, the automotive industry. And I also, on the side, go out and buy automotive portfolios for buyer paper dealers. And I have a YouTube channel. It's my name. If you want to find more fun stuff out about that. And I guess yeah. let's get into the fun. Lucky, Mo- Lucky was a late ad. So it's not like I don't like him. It's not like anyone gets to know about him. He's just, he was, he was after the slides went in and you, you can you can find him on YouTube and Instagram and OnlyFans and everywhere else. Exactly. <laughs> so, so guys, what we're going to talk about is the entrepreneurial operating system. So this is a a framework to operate your dealership. It was kind of a co-founded and, and mostly pushed forward by Gino Wickman. He's got kind of this flagship book, which is called Traction. So if you guys aren't familiar with Traction, how many of y'all have it? Do you read it? Have you read it? Okay. I've read it like 500 times, listened to it a ton, still trying to figure it out. He's also got a handful of other books, uh, Get a Grip, Rocket Fuel, and What the Heck is EOS? And then I think there's one more at the bottom. This slide should be in the app. So I want to start this off, guys. Who here has been on a road trip, like cross-country road trip? Anybody? Okay, right up front. Jeff, going to pick on you. If I wanted to go cross country, what type of a vehicle should I take? 
What should I take across the street? What? How many are we Did you guys hear that? How many are we hauling? Right? I don't know. Does that matter? Absolutely. Well, you don't, I can't just like jump onto my Harley and drive cross country, right? Okay, I could, but it depends on what I'm hauling, right? It depends on where I want to go. It depends on how many people I want to take with me. So what I want you guys to wrap around since we're car dealers here and we understand cars is transportation, right? I could jump on a Harley and try to head across the country, but what happens when I start adding people? You know, I throw my wife on back. That's fine. Where are my kids going to go? I don't know. What if I had an F&I guy? What if I had a sales guy? Now I'm building sidecars and I got trailers and like we're stopping every 10 minutes because someone's got to pee or I don't know who's driving, but you know, I'm white knuckling it around every single corner, right? Because I don't know if this thing's going to fall apart. I don't know if the wheels can handle it. I don't know if the tires can handle it, right? I'm just like blazing down. Who's running their dealership like that? <laughs> I have for a really long time, right? Like you just start piecing it together. You start throwing stuff on here and there. Supposed to be the expert. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, he says he still does. Uh, so what's better, guys? If I want to go cross country and I know I'm going to have a bunch of people with me, what should I take? Maybe a bus, right? Maybe a tour bus. So what I want you guys to think about as you build your dealerships is it's okay to go cross country in a motorcycle, right? That could be a lot of fun. And I know a lot of dealers that make a lot of money with just them and their wife, Right. Five to 10 cars a month, they take weekends off, maybe they work weekends, maybe they take a holiday off, they keep everything. That's that's completely fine. If you wanna build up a dealership, if you wanna have multiple locations, if you wanna hand something down to your kids and have generational wealth, you need to think about taking a tour bus, right? Something you got a lot of seats in, something you can fit people, maybe got a bathroom in the back. There might be a point where you wanna go sit in the back. You might, I am not driving this thing anymore. I'm actually gonna get off the bus. I'm going to go down to Florida and drink all Arnold Palmer's and I don't know, hang out and let that bus just keep on going and just spitting off cash every month. Right. So, so think about that up front. What kind of a dealership, what do you want to build now for the EOS model? It, it, it fits a Harley. You don't need all the stuff we're going to talk about. If you just want to run a dealership with yourself and your brother or, you, you know, your college buddy, if you want to build something that's going to last, that's going to give you some freedom and growth, that's okay too, right? And then that's where we're going to help out with this. So there's uh, six basic components to the EOS system. We're going to go over like a super high level discussion on this, give you guys the info. And like I said, we're going to open up to questions and answers. So uh, vision, people, data, issues, processes, traction. I'm going to take them in a little bit of a different order because that's how I So we're going to start out with the vision. And I'm going to start picking on these guys that have some experience in it. Um, the first thing is the vision, right? Nick, I'm going to pick on you. Why is a vision for your dealership important? Um, it, it gives somebody, it gives your team something to get excited about. It gives them a reason to get up in the day and do their job other than the paycheck. And I think that if you have a strong vision for your company and you, um, you articulate that vision frequently, and you force yourself to talk about where you want this company to go more often than you think you should. It's absolutely amazing. I have technicians come up to me and tell me they work for me because they like our vision and they think we're onto something. And they're just really excited to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And I, I think a lot of people hear that kind of stuff and they read it in books and whatever, and, and they think it's corny. 
And I've got to tell you, it just works. If you get that, that you get that guy that'll work the extra hours and do a little bit more work than they would just collecting a paycheck from somebody. If you can get them excited and motivated about where your company's going and where you want it to go and what part they're going to play in, I think it's super powerful and it can make a big difference in the performance of your people. Yeah, and Nick, keep them real quick. Along with the vision, they're going to talk about your values, right? So like vision is like, what are we as a dealership? What's our mission statement? What are we proving? What are we doing for the world? Values are, who are we, right? What do we stand for? What's important to us? What are our non-negotiables? You've got to have those. Nick, do you know yourself, Ken? Because I have them saved in my phone. Um, yeah. What, what are um, the first one is DSD, and that's them for do what you say you're going to do. And we have these posters at every one of our locations. And... Um, and I copied Nick's poster and come up with my and it said it's a DSD and I just put enough set, not like N-U-F-F set, DSD. And then the next one is energy and enthusiasm. I do really fun, crazy commercials and I run around and I'm excited and energetic. So we have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. The point being on that is I want folks that work here because they really like what Marco Cianato does. They really like what we stand for. They really like helping um, customers that get bring the new car source and getting them into good, reliable transportation. They have a passion for that. They're excited about it. And, and, and they have that energy and enthusiasm. Um, number three is the little things are everything. So um, on the toilets, on the sides of the toilets, you clean that because that's, that's something that's gross. And it's a reflection of how we look at our business. If you, if you haven't cleaned your toilet for two weeks, garbage out on the lot. You can kill two birds with one stone. You can do one-on-one -on -one with your salesperson that's struggling and you can grab a garbage sack and just pick up garbage together while you're doing that one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you know, how does the appearance of the store look? Does your salesperson act like you're interrupting their Instagram time when a customer comes in? Those are some of the things that, that are the little things are everything. And I think that too often we overlook the, the weeds. Yeah. You know, I mean, you guys drive by and see your competitors' weeds, and you're like, holy crap, don't they, they drive in and out every day? Come on. We're talking in 10 minutes, 10 minutes of yanking some weeds, and your, your business looks 10 times better. So the little things are uh, everything. And what's left? Your last value, yeah. Um, it's empowerment, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what I want, what I mean by empowerment is make a decision. You don't need to call me over every little decision that you make. I would even prefer the wrong decision, but have the guts and know that we believe in you enough to make a freaking decision. Hopefully, that benefits our customer because it's so amazing how, how we make these really dumb choices that hurt our customer, they're totally irrational but make a decision. And that's what empowerment's all about. Yeah, we're gonna talk more about empowerment soon. Adrian, what do I always say at my dealership? No dealership, no decision is the worst decision, right? No decision is the worst, just make a decision. No decision is the worst thing you could do for our customers. Um, we're, we're gonna go back to that real quick. We're, we're gonna jump on and people, the people, aspect of this, right? So you've got your vision, you know who you are, you know what your non-negotiable values are. Now you can start fitting people into that, right? As you interview them, as you put out job listings, as you, you know who you are, so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to, hey man, does he fit these four core values from what I know of him? Or hey, Mr. Interview, what do you think about these four values that we are, right? What do you think about these? Do you fit this? Great, welcome aboard, you know, get on my bus, let's go.
Lucky, I want to ask you this question because you go to a lot of dealerships, you've dealt with a lot of people, you live in Vegas, the mecca of all wild people. How important has that been when you're educating or coaching or setting up dealerships, like finding those people where it's like, you know, attraction says it's get it, want it, and capacity. GWC, do you get what your job is? Do you want to do it? And do you have the capacity to do it? Do you see that being important as you visit places? I mean, 100%. I know a lot of times when people hire people, they have this expectation that he's a nice guy. He's going to work out great, blah, blah, blah. And I think the capacity comes to where you actually put in your procedures. Every time I train up a dealership, we have this big thing about hire good people, train them, show them how to do it. First time they screw up, it's their fault they're new. Second time you train them again, if they screw up again, get rid of them. I, I know this sounds bad. I give people about 60 days. Don't waste their time. Don't waste your time. Um, when it comes to actual strategy, I definitely implement process ridiculously. I have posters on every dealership we set up. The simplest process, when a customer walks in, how do we greet? Blah, blah, blah. You add your steps in, I give you my process, and then they just keep going from there. I've seen so many people run their dealerships down because they didn't get the right people. They didn't spend enough time training them, which I know a lot of times we send our sales guys down and we just let them screw off on the phone. They can hang out on Facebook, Instagram, not do anything. Ride their asses like Zorro. Stay on your people, train them. Don't be afraid. If they suck, tell them they suck. Yeah. I don't know why people are so politically correct now. If they're idiots, <laughs> tell them to just kick rocks. Yeah. It'll be much better for your business. But I think the fact of spending the right time hiring people and then putting that effort into training them will get much better. I've had very low turnover. My dealership, I've been in business for over, I think, 12 years. I've gone through two uh, finance guys. That's it. And maybe six sales guys. That's yeah. it. Where I, everyone I've known, every week they got new sales guys because we make a fun environment. How many times have you guys had an employee quit on you and you're just like, oh, man, I did not give that guy. It's 100% my fault. I did not set him up for success. You know, I did not train him right. I threw him on the phones. I sent him out in the mechanic bay. I sent him out to detail. I didn't educate him. I didn't train him. I didn't give him the standard. I didn't even tell him what he was supposed to be doing. I didn't tell him where our standard was. And then he doesn't get there and you're pissed and he's pissed and you guys are looking at each other sideways and then he bounces out, right? It's our own fault. Uh, Dan, data. The next step is data. I know you're a data guy. Um, how important is it? Or, or maybe share with us as dealers, what are some of the data points that you like to look at at your dealership? Well, so in EOS, the idea behind the data portion is to... Um, if, if, if you were to be on a desert island and the only uh, interaction you have with the outside world is someone who's going to hand you a napkin once an afternoon and there's going to be about maybe eight or ten different things on that napkin that was going to tell you what the, the health of your business was at that particular moment. That's what the, the data portion is when it comes to EOS. The high level, the most important pieces of it, right? Because you can get so granular and just so in the weeds that it, it loses its, 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 its um, luster. So um, some of the things that we look at is, is, is lead count, closing percentage. Um, you know, how many cars we get through service? I mean, these are kind of some leading indicators on where the business is, is going. I mean, we also have you know, data for each individual department. So not only do we have as the, the high-level leadership team, but each department has their own data as well. So again, the leadership team has the highest levels and each department has their, their, their data as well. And that, that which gets measured gets improved. Mm -hmm. yeah, so even if just by just by measuring it alone, um, will will oftentimes give you improvement. Yeah. Inspect what you expect, right? 
So like 10, 10 key performance indicators, right? It's pretty easy for us as business owners, dealers, anyone to just say, what, you know, what is that? It's, it's sales leads, it's, app, it's appointment set, it's applications taken, it's sales, it's, you know, recon costs, delinquency, delinquency recency for buy here, pay here guys, you know, turn time for a lot of our retail dealers, you know, simple, right? So I get those numbers, I get them weekly, daily, if you could, if you have a CRM, if you have a DMS that was robust enough to give you that info. But usually we measure on, on a weekly basis because it's it's a long enough sub time that where the data is accurate and then, but it's but it's not so dug in. Yeah. Um, do you have a fancy system for that? What do you use? Uh, so we use 90.io. Uh, oh, right. So it's so it's a um, it's, it's a pretty simple system. It's it's a per user. Yeah, it's like seven dollars per user. 90.io, which is an EOS type. It's one of them. They, right. Nick uses something. Yeah. It's a different one, but it's yeah. it sets it all up so you and, and you just set up the numbers you want to track, and you have your people put their numbers in every week. And if the numbers are off. You can move that number into your issues list and then discuss it in, in your meetings. And you read that book, it's so simple and so clear. If you just follow the directions of the book, it'll transform your life. I'm not kidding. And with regard to the book, Gina Whitman is not a, not a, a genius. He pretty much took a lot of like the Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits and a lot of these, these other great books and just pretty much took all the best ideas and just kind of put it in a program for for entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs as a, as a whole tend to be a little kind of all over the place. And yeah. the other things that make us great, but it also makes us terrible. They run in the, the, the day. -to -day yeah. Things. Well, I always start this on the podcast. Work on your business, not in your business, right? You guys took time out to come to Vegas to work on your business, right? You're out of your business right now. Whose phone's ringing? Who's getting phone calls from the dealership? Who's got fires going on back at the dealership? Real hot, real hot fires. You guys got fires. Who here calls themselves a firefighter? <laughs> Who here? We had a post in the independent Facebook group the other day that said, uh, man, why does everyone just bring me negativity? Why is everyone dumping problems on my desk? Why is everyone bringing me issues all the time? Because you allow it. And because you didn't follow this step. The hardest step in the entire system, in my opinion, is the processes, right? They're bringing you fires because you haven't told them what to do when they see smoke. They don't know that there's an alarm they can pull. They don't know where the fire extinguisher is. So they sit there and they're like, yeah, I mess with this. I could get in trouble. I could get fired. I don't know if I'm going to do it the way Jeff wants me to do it. And then all of a sudden it's a fire, right? And you've got a complaint. You've got a bad Google review. You've got a customer dumping their car. You've got, you know, employees flaking out, sexual harassment suits or whatever. I don't know. But... The process side of it is why you guys hate your business, if you hate your business, because you don't have processes set up to run it without you. Hey, man, it's all in your head, right? It's all in your head. So everyone has to come and freaking pound on your head to get an answer because they don't have a manual, a book, a paper, a napkin, anything to look at to be like, oh, there's the answer. This is what I do with an angry customer. This is what I'm allowed to put on a, a due bill or a WEO statement at the time of sale. You know, here's what I do when this guy's 60 days late, his car's at impound, and I can't get the breathalyzer to work to bring it back here to the lot, right? Like, put it, put it down. Get it out of your heads, right? Uh, Lucky, you talked about processes. And so dig into that a little bit more. Like, I mean, you said posters. Like, you have posters. Like, 
everyone has a sales process, right? You know how you want sales to be handled. You know how you want your customer to be talked to. Do you write it down and do you train on it? Yeah, the, the whole process is like method to our madness. The car dealership business, you guys know, we do it. And like I said, some of the good people, some of the bad people. But when it comes to like our employees, every time I go to a dealership, there's always this disconnect. I call it the franchise effect. If any you guys worked at a franchise store, you guys know this. Sales, we know sales, finance, we know finance, service, we know finance. None of these idiots talk to each other. So it allows basically just things to fall off the map. When we set up processes and in independent dealerships, I go from the very first, how do we greet the customer? We put it down. Every owner, I'm sure you guys know too, we have a way of how we greet our customers, what we're going to say. If you guys collect information, do you need a, an application for a test drive? I get all of their information and we literally put it on a poster because I don't know why. We teach people once you say it, you expect them to know it, but it never works. And then also when you have these issues, like you said, unwind deals, you have to chase your car on the impound lot, buyback, stuff like that. I cross-train every single person to know my job, your job, his job. I don't know why more franchise stores don't do this. I don't like to say it's like CarMax, but I believe that the process of training your people, educating them about everything, and then also having a book, having some information, and giving people the power, the ability to actually do certain things. My finance guy, anything under a thousand bucks, he can do whatever the hell he wants. I don't care. I trust him. Anything over that, he's got to call me. I literally never go to my dealership. You guys know that was it the, the seven hour work week or so. I literally read that book and I said, screw it. I'm out of my dealership. Now I barely go by. I talk to my guys. They send me a text once a day. Let me know what's going on. Every process is thought out. So this way I don't have to go there. I can hang out with you guys. We can BS. We can go hit the tables after this. And I don't have to worry about it. My guys know exactly what to do. The customer comes in. If my dealership catches on fire, if the aliens come back to Vegas, Every single thing is thought of. So this way, we don't have to worry about it. But nobody wants to put the time in writing a boring book or yeah. putting a boring page on there. Everybody thinks, oh, my way is the best way, and this is the way we're going to do it. I take a lot of my ideas from dealers like this, even my employees, and just build a good spreadsheet and literally print it on a piece of paper and make sure they follow these procedures. Because once you do this, 90% of my headaches are gone. I only got to say is yes or no in dealer center if they have a really tricky deal that's got to go through the bank. That's about it. Everything else, it's all done through our process. Yeah. Nick, I want to go to you because I cannot imagine, like, every time I talk to you, there's, like, a new location and you have 50 employees or whatever you got going on, right? It's, like, another thing. How in the world do you manage, like, uh, and I know the answer is going to be processes, but, like, <laughs> managing that is just mind-boggling. Yeah, I have a management team. You know, I'm a sales director, service director, uh, a general manager, and they're overseeing it. And in a perfect world, we have a checklist that's being followed by all, uh, FBA process, FBA followed by all. Um, and they're doing the checklist. And so, for example, um, getting the salespeople to do their work plans, check. Um, checking the restrooms, check. Um, getting the heat sheet cleaned up, check. Checking on your leads, check, you know, and so on. I think checklists are really simple, and a lot of times people are very resistant to them because they seem over, over simplistic and almost like you're dumb. But you know, most of the smartest people in the world are pilots, and they have a simple checklist before they'll they'll fly that thing. And I think they're essential, and they can really work um, if they are uh, implemented properly yeah. at the FBA. So, the answer to your question, I mean, we've grown a lot in the last year, and, and frankly, it's not working very well right now. <laughs> We're struggling. And um, so I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you what I think the answers are. And that is that we're setting up processes and procedures that are not being followed up on. We're not making sure they're being done. And uh, I, the best um, 
slogan I've ever heard is accountability is uncomfortable. That's a David Anderson slogan. And we forget that. You know, we think that everything is hunky-dory and, and, and we've got to remember. I heard another one, you know, um, the, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, there's a really cool uh, podcast by a guy named David Novak. He interviewed, and inter- interviewed CEOs and one of them was the one of Goldman Sachs. And he said that, uh, you know, leadership takes people where they don't really want to go. That's what leadership is. And so it is uncomfortable. And it's not going to be um, rainbows and unicorns all the time. And I think we've got to remember that. That doesn't mean you have to be mean to people or you have to be harsh, but you have to make your expectations clear, agree on those expectations, and then hold them accountable to those expectations. And a lot of times, there's something in that that's broken. You, I think a lot of times we, we, we expect our people to mind read our minds, like just know like psychically what we're thinking. And if they're not doing what we think they should do, we get pissed. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. Um, so you have to be over the top clear of what you want. What do you want? And then once you, and the, and the guy's like, no, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then the next day he doesn't do it. <laughs> and, and that's where, that's, that's where the accountability, the uncom- uncomfortability of accountability comes into play is, dude, I believe, like I took you to lunch, we were all buddy, buddy, and we, we had a plan and the plan is gone. What happened, you know? But if you don't have that follow-up conversation, that's that part of follow-up, that putting a reminder in, in the iPhone, check on this dude for this thing. If that's not happening, that, that's where accountability is broken and, and it's freaking hard and it's exhausting sometimes. But if you want to get your company to the next level, get your people to the next level, that's what it takes. Yeah. So um, I want to leave a couple minutes for questions at the end of this. I promised you guys we would do some Q&A, so be thinking of your questions. But Dan, take the mic. Nick's got a problem, right? Nick has a training, maybe an onboarding problem. Let's use the last two parts of the EOS system, issues and then obviously the traction component. Explain that to people and maybe how would you bring that up? Like, how would you use EOS and Nick's dealership to fix that issue? Yeah. So the, the issues uh, portion of it's IDS, identify, discuss, solve. And so how many of you have been in a meeting and you have meetings just to have meetings and you talk about, um, you know, first of all, you, you talk about how the lead counts down. The next thing you talk about how the, 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 the porter didn't clean the bathroom. How did that conversation start to evolve? Evolve. Evolve into like this, this yeah. merry-go-round of we never got anything done. And so I'm very much that person. I'll sit here and talk and ramble on if you let me. Um, once we start really implementing this, this piece, um, I recognize that, that when somebody's kind of doing that merry-go-round thing with me, it gets me very uncomfortable. It almost takes me off. So the idea behind that is in, in one sense, what's the true problem? Okay, what's what's the real issue that we that we have going on right now? Um, don't give me a, a 30 minute dissertation as to why things are bad. What's the problem? And then we spend the time to, to actually discuss what the true solve is. Um, and then we solve it forever and we move on. We don't, we don't go on to any other subjects. We don't talk about the borders. We're talking about weeds, we're talking about whatever that case, you know, whatever that one issue is at that moment. And then when you're when you're when you are solving this problem, you really want to tackle the most important things um, that involve the people that are in that particular meeting. So again, the leader 15, you don't necessarily talk about a very low level 
accounting issue and it should stay in the accounting department. It should be specific to the people that you that, that are having that particular meeting. Mm -hmm. But the idea behind it is real quick, one sentence, what's the problem? Let's discuss it and let's solve it forever. We're never coming back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you go back into your processes and you fix them and you say, oh, here's here, here's the leak in our bucket. Here's the hole. This is where we're losing stuff. Let's fix that forever, right? Who's accountable? Who's going to follow up? Somebody else at a bad area will come in. To do, you know, make a steer to make a rock, and that's when the traction part comes in. You To do something's going to happen within the next seven days, right? If it's any longer than that, it's based on Stephen Covey's concept of, of rocks. We'll get into that right in a second, but it's a it's a anywhere between over a week to 90 days. You know, one of the most important things you need to handle in your business is during the period of time. First things first, and somebody has the big stuff. Because what a lot of times you think it's a big stuff, it's not a big stuff, it's a little stuff. And if you solve the big stuff, the little stuff solved. And sometimes right? with the idea, so with that, you, you wind up kind of discussing it and you realize that maybe the, the, the issue that was first stated isn't the real issue. Yeah. It's, it's a symptom of what the true issue is. Yeah, Nick's like, there's pee on my toilet seat. What is the real issue? The lights don't work. How long has this light bulb been out? We've been peeing in the dark for months. Let's <laughs> pee on the toilet seat. Like, problem solved. Yep. Sure, look over here. So, um, there's so much more to this system, but I wanted to touch on one more thing before we move on to the QA and stuff, because this is crucial. And this is the number one fault of everyone in this room, because I see you all, and I know most of you, letting go of the bond, delegate and elevate. Right? Write that down, tattoo it on your eyelids, delegate and elevate, right? So I'm in my bus. I've got a bus full of people. I don't have to be the driver. I don't need to be the one putting the gas in. I don't got to be navigating. I don't got to be picking the music. I don't got to be turning the AC up. I don't got to be yelling at the kids to shut up and sit down, right? Like, I don't have to do it all, but we can do it all, right? Are you the best salesman at your lot? Are you the best salesman on your team? Are you the best F&I guy? Can you shine that tire till you can see your face in it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're, you're probably the best guy to go out and pick weeds because you're a damn good weed killer, right? And you, you can see them and you know what this lot should look like and get the bumpers perfect. But you shouldn't be doing it, right? What is, is that $10 an hour work? It is. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you delegate and elevate when you are the best one to do it or you believe you are? So all these these steps are really kind of intertwined. Um, and so part of it is, is the people component. First of all, you, you start with your chart of accountability, which is kind of an organizational chart. But what truly do you even need? What does your organization need? Do you, is it wheat puller? Is that a full-time job? Um, you know, is, that, or is that a function of your dealership? Well, wheat puller needs to be in there. You don't talk about the person that's going to do that wheat puller job. You do that later. And then once you decide these are the functions you need, well, then you, you, you do get the people. Do they get it? Do they want to do they have the capacity to do the job? Do they get the rightful value? The people want to like a piece of it. And then you write the process in which that wheat puller is going to pull those weeds. And then for every wheat puller from there on out, as long as that process is solid, those weeds are, you're never going to have to, Jeff's never going to see weeds when you walk, and Nick's never going to see weeds when he walks on his lot because yeah. it's followed by all. Nick, how do you, how do you delegate an element? How do you let go of the like how, how, how do you scale to that point and not worry that there's some guy somewhere, some salesman is saying the wrong thing. And in two weeks, it's going to be a lawsuit on your desk. Man, it just takes a leap of faith, frankly. Um, and it has, it has, to, it, it has to be, uh, you have to be okay with things not being, check, check, things not being perfect all the time. Um, 
And frankly, I just I, I can't I can't I get this stage of the game, I honestly can't handle being at the viewership for 40 or 50 hours a week. I don't I don't think I have any category. <laughs> so um, one answer is to get somebody um, get, get burnt out and old, and then you'll want to give it all up. I remember when I hired a second manager for my store uh, when we were still on location, we were selling well over 100 cars a month. That was a huge step for me. I promoted a guy, and he had, he had worked for me a few years prior. I, re I remember it explicitly because right after I promoted him and put him in the desk, I went skiing. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is awesome. This is why I have a business. I have a business, so I don't have to work. You know, obviously, when you're getting started, you've got to do the 70, 80 hours a week, and you've got to do everything. But I just, what's the point of having your own business? Because you can never leave, and if you're working constantly, and it's killing you. Uh, and so at some point, you you, it's, you have to figure out a way to, to hire somebody that's capable, train them, uh, motivate them so you can live your life. Yeah. And and it was a huge relief for me. And 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 really I, I love my business. I have a great relationship with my business. It, it I get the gratification I need out of leaving my people, motivating my people, but it isn't I'm not a slave to it like I felt like I was for too long. That's that's so true. If you feel like you can't leave because it's going to implode, yeah, I used to feel like I couldn't go to 20 group, right? 20 group would stress me out because every time I came home someone would quit. Someone would have quit while I was gone, right? Some fire would have blown up or some personality situation would have happened. And I, like, I can't leave, right? And I feel really bad when I talk to dealers and they're like, I can't make it to convention. I can't, I can't be out of my dealership for three days. That's that's a sad situation to be in. The irony, I I sorry, I don't know. The, the irony of it is, is I know two, I can think of two very specific dealers. One is a successful lease or pay here dealer out of North Carolina. He has this. Hold it up there. He has this uh, fishing boat called Release because he does in-house leasing, and he goes offshore fishing like nine months out of the year. And this boat costs him a freaking fortune, and he's got all two full time. And no, I don't hold it here. Don't come to that. Enchanted. And um, oh, the enchanted at the bottom. Oh, okay, okay. Now you're smothering it. <laughs> There's a process for that. That's my theory. <laughs> Let's try. Let's try. Let's try. Let's try. Let's try. All right. Good job. Um, so, anyways, he's got two captains. He's both costs him a freaking fortune. And he's like half the size that I am. And then I have another friend who works 60 hours a week in his office, nonstop, analyzing numbers. He knows every number like the back of his hand. I mean, he's got them all memorized. It's working super, super hard. And the dude that's fishing nine months out of here. Makes money. <laughs> it can be done. I think there's a lot of people, naysayers, you know, or, or people that come up with these fun excuses in their head. And maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you enjoy working, and that's fine. But my point is, is figure out what you want out of life and then go get it. And it can't and it can't happen. How many days a week is that guy open? Did you talk yeah. about? I gotta put which guy in North Carolina. How, how, how many days a week? I mean he's just like any other no. six. No. Oh, he's only open four days a week? I didn't know No, they're open five days a week. They're, they're closing the weekends. Oh. And they close early on Fridays. Let me put a pin in this before we move on to question and answer. Okay, this, this question actually is really close to home. In 2019, I sold my dealership, gave everything away because I was just completely stressed. I believe the reason why most of us don't like going to Vine is obviously it's ego. We all think that we're better, smarter, and can do everything a lot better. And the one thing I kept running into as I was growing my business, as we started selling 50, 60, 100 cars, we went from 10 lenders to 24 lenders to 40 lenders, buy here, pay here, rental cars. 
it just got so convoluted that I stressed myself out to the point where I got up to 300 pounds, 200 pounds now. I had ulcers in my stomach. I was staying up all night. And for some reason, everybody kept telling me, well, lucky you can solve all your problems just by hiring somebody. And what's the first thing? No, they're going to leave. They're going to take off. They're still on my idea. And so even though I kept implementing my processes, so this way I made sure people didn't like, knew exactly what they did, I didn't implement the process for me to step away. And so I started listening to that seminar work week. I tell you what, that is the biggest slap in the face when I realized how stupid I was. I had to swallow my pride, let go of my ego, and find somebody. Because I know, like you said, we all think we're smarter than everybody else. Guarantee you, everybody on this room has somebody in their office or their back boardroom or anything that's smarter than we are. That's doing something that we can't possibly do. And so the more I go out and train dealers and set up dealerships, this is one thing I tell everybody. It's always better to have two men in the ship if it's sinking. If you're trying to bail buckets of water by yourself, you're doomed to fail. So one thing I like to tell everybody is think about all the things that you can get rid of and not have to stress about. Because I know, same thing, I'll clean the bathrooms when my guys don't do it. I'm trying to show the right effort. I'm going to show that I'm motivated and I'm this gun-ho alpha male that's going to crush everybody. It's all pride. We're idiots. So now it's all about just helping other people out, get that process going, let your ego go, let hire the people, the right people that can do something and stand by their side. And even though they screw up and make mistakes and we have that frustration, like, oh my God, this guy's an idiot. I told him six times to space what to do. Got him on the back. Good job. Thank you for trying. Let's try it this way and just keep going forward and do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one last thing on that. Yeah, <laughs> so as far as letting it pick the things that you absolutely love to do and that you're absolutely <laughs> awesome at and delegate everything else. Yeah. Yeah, that puts a pin in it, right? That's the thing. I'm good at it and I like it. You know, I'm good at it. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I don't like it, right? Actually, write, write four squares and, and yeah. do exactly that. What your day consists of and write those things and those four yeah. lines. Close yourself and get rid of it. Yep. And then every quarter, find one of those things that's in those other quadrants. I'm good at it. I don't like it. Or I'm not good at it. I don't like it. And delegate those off, right? Start delegating those activities out every quarter. Just delegate one more activity, right? And then you're left with the, I like it and I'm good at it, right? Which is maybe fishing, naked boating and skiing, you know? And then maybe in your dealership, it's buying cars. You know, maybe that's the last thing you're going to let go of. Maybe it's writing checks. Maybe it's balancing the books. You know, maybe it's just hanging out and working on cars and picking cigarette butts up off the lot. You know, who knows what that is. But guys, if you want more information from these guys, both Nick and Dan have been on my podcast a couple of times. Nick's, Nick's a three. Dan's only one. I mean, the score's off. We need to get back on there. And lucky we need to get back on. Just get on in general. Right. So anyways, that's my pitch is, is uh, listen to podcasts if you want more information. Of course, download the Traction Book, buy the Traction Book. Um, it's a great way to run your business so your business is not running you. Right. Let's do just a couple minutes of Q&A before they kick us out of here. Does anyone have something for these guys? Yeah. You. Yeah. You uh, do you guys have an exit strategy? And if you do, how uh, how the like set up your work chart in a way to exit as an independent dealer, you know, who's guys are running. Like, how do you, what's, uh, have you ever thought about that or are you just going to run it and sell it? So the question is, do you have an exit strategy or secession plan and you have it written down and use your work chart set up for you to completely be away and or sell it or give it to your kid or something? I don't. I've, I've explored different scenarios. I'm, I'm 49. I'm not ready to retire or quit. I like my business. But I have explored, you know, some of the private equity options that are out there. I have a banker that uh, that is, is into that world. Um, 
just to see what's out there. You know, sometimes some, you never know what's going to happen in life. And I think it's, it's a good topic to be thinking about. I, I have a plan in my head for when I'm a little older, probably, you know, depending on what the economic conditions are at that time. But it'll be along the lines of just liquidating the portfolio, renting out my property, something will happen. We'll see what happens. Kind of same though. It's still still growing, still building, but if it has in the back of my mind, but you know, not an actual plan. Sounds like you do. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. Obviously, you know, we all think our dealerships are worth money. We see these dealer groups like Automation, um, Sonic Auto Group buying up all these franchise stores, but they're actually buying up some of the larger independents. So it's actually a good question. I think a lot of people are thinking about doing it. Here's the problem. 90% of our dealerships aren't worth shit. So just get that out of the way. The only thing that's worth money are our portfolios. That's something that somebody's going to want. The real estate, if you're thinking about exit strategy, try to buy the property you're on, build something that's completely different. If you're doing your own funding, you, you have a lease program, something like that, that'll make you stand out. That's what's going to make you enticing for the seller. My goal, literally no bullshit, is to do the same thing these gentlemen are doing, build as big a buy here, excuse me, as big as buy here, pay here portfolio that I possibly can, physically own my land here in Vegas and use my YouTube channel to promote it. So hopefully Cox Automotive, one of these other guys will think that I have the greatest thing since sliced bread and they'll come make me a stupid offer. I've seen them buy out plenty of really bad companies out of the Midwest, which actually shocked me, but I think that's the way we have to approach it. So as far as what our dealerships are worth and big strategy for it, that's up to you to figure out what kind of price. But all I would say is definitely take advantage of marketing your dealership. That's what's gonna put the value. Because at the end of the day, I've seen these companies have actual financial valuations. Hey, this guy's got $300 uh, million dollars in portfolio. His building's worth this, but that doesn't have that it factor, so they never buy it. How many of you guys know Carvana? Perfect. Okay, everybody knows it. Everyone, I was hoping everyone raised their hand. How much money do they make per car? Minus three, three grand or something like that. But they make it up on value. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they value it over $3 billion. So that's kind of the thing. They just stole the dream. So as far as that goes, that company's my word shit, but at the end of the day, your dealership could be if you build the right processes, you build your portfolio, do something different and take advantage of that. And yeah, I don't know. I find I'm never dying. So that's my answer strategy. <laughs> question for you, or just burn it to the ground and call my insurance. Yeah. <laughs> One of those two. Um, we'll let's do some rapid fire real quick, Jeff, because I picked on you. I'll call on you. Yeah, just real quick. And I, I what? So have you implemented basically this process? That you're not working as many hours. And I guess I'll start with you, man. I mean, like, for you, or, or are you wanting to work as many hours? Or... Well, I, my my work ebbs and flows. When I feel like when I feel like things are good and I don't have anything to do, I'll, I'll go do something else. I, I I somehow that's not everybody can do that. Just turn the on and off switch, you know. And I I seem to have that ability. Um, and and but right now I feel like the company needs me. I feel like. We're in. We're we're not handling our new growth, and there's problems. And so I want to get really involved right now and try to see, figure out what's going on. Um, yeah. So that I was the snow melted. The yeah, snow melted. Awesome. Awesome. We've got nothing to do. There's no skiing. This so I got 42 days in. It was awesome. You love to do. You never work another day in your life, right? So yeah, and I think it, you know you really. I don't. You just envision what your perfect life would be, really, and then just try to try to figure out how to build it because it is, it is attainable. It really is. You just have to have the will to, to figure it out. And it could be buying and selling cars, right? Like to that point, hey, you find something you love to do. You're never going to work a day in your life, and maybe I love being in lane, sucking exhaust. I don't know. Maybe that's what I love to do. Yeah. I started this with hobbies. Yeah. Yeah, and love it. 
and manage it so you can continue to love it, so you don't resent it, so you don't hate it. Uh, any other questions? Right here, back right. You, yeah. Gina Whitman, I think he's great. I love the Yost book. Uh, somebody drove an hour to see me, that was selling uh, Warner Beats, Robin book, and he said to me, you know, just read chapter two, and he goes by. And I said to him, I was like, so, okay, I appreciate it, we should go down here for it. He goes, no, I need to bring you the book. Read chapter two. Then my desk was on, the website, what's going on with the book, what are you doing with it? I read chapter two, I couldn't put the book down. I hadn't read a book since I was in my Honestly, Long story short, uh, in the book, uh, one thing that they mentioned that I think I talked about was level 10 meetings. Yeah. Do you guys do level 10 meetings? I mean, uh, obviously, that's something a really good uh, idea. But to get everything together and also accountable and like, so certain factors that haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. So, one of, the, one of the, the best things about traction, in my opinion, is the level 10 meeting. You're right, we should, have, we should have brought that up. I, I was on my level 10 meeting at 6 30 this morning, Vegas time. Because there's two reasons why you miss a level 10 meeting. Because it's either on vacation or death, and it better be your death. Um, and that's that's in the book, by the way. So, How often do you do them? I'm sorry. Uh, so with each each department does them once a week. Um, and this was my leadership team uh, L10 meeting. Uh, so level 10, L10, level 10 meeting. Uh, and it, it basically checks off all the boxes of all of those, those on that circle that uh, that death put up there. So yeah, it's it's a it's it's invaluable it's it's all in the book the directions are in the book you just have to follow them and what 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 i find amazing it, it really isn't hard is i tell a lot of folks about this program because it, it has changed my life and it's amazing how people try to customize it don't don't customize it just follow it and do what it says because it really works so we do the quarterly meetings we do the l10 meetings we do the annual today off-site meetings we do all of it and we love it. And it's something my team looks forward to. It's brought my team closer together. It's just, it's been great. But I honestly, I really do follow the directions to a team. Yeah, I'm intense about it. And be prepared to lose people. Yeah. Not everyone's going to go on that ride. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Sometimes you got to kick them off the bus, right? It's your bus. Remember that. Your bus, your seats. You decide who sits in the bus. You decide where the bus goes. We are out of time, guys. Thank you so much for being here in this session. If you have further questions, like order these guys. Dealers helping dealers. Please leave us a review and subscribe. The Independent Dealer Podcast.